Hello and welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast, where I, your host, Joshua Gallinato, sit down with successful individuals and brands to talk about topics about learning, building habits, and personal development. In today's podcast, I managed to talk with the guys behind Stick, that's Stick with two Ks. If you're the type of person or know someone that struggles with sticking to their commitments, then Stick is a tool for you. It's a free tool that utilizes the power of loss aversion to help you stay committed to your goals. I myself have been a user of Stick and have experienced its benefits. It's actually helped motivate me to learn another language, and it's currently helping millions of users to achieve their own goals. From weight loss to quitting smoking, there are thousands of success stories that utilize Stick's powerful psychological techniques. Both Jerry Brown and Pablo Spinola joined the podcast today. Both currently work for Stick and have used the platform in their own personal lives. We go in depth about the power of loss aversion, adding additional social elements to your commitments, as well as a few success stories that change the lives of many users. If you want to find all of today's show notes and other relevant links, you can find them all on my blog at galliway.blog forward slash podcast. That's galliway, G-A-L-I-W-A-Y dot blog forward slash podcast. If you want to find out more information about Stick, go check them out at stick.com. Don't forget that Stick with two Ks. Without further ado, here's my interview with both Jerry Brown and Pablo Spinola. Jerry, Pablo, welcome to the show. How are you both doing? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having us, Joshua. Doing well, Joshua. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. The pleasure is mine. I, um, I was talking to Pablo about a week ago and I was telling him how awesome Stick is because I've been a user of it for a while now. Um, since, Jerry, it's my first time meeting you. Uh, how about uh, you just give us a brief introduction of yourself, um, how you got involved with Stick and what do you do with Stick? Yeah, definitely. So I am a product manager at Stick. Um, and I, it's, I'm actually celebrating my three-year anniversary on Friday. So that's very exciting. Pablo and I will have a little virtual happy hour, I'm sure. Um, but I came across Stick a few years ago. I was toying around with the idea of running my first marathon. Um, I'd always kind of been, you know, on and off sports teams that forced me to work out and stay in shape. But after graduating college, I uh, never really found that motivation to continue staying in shape and, you know, keeping physically active. So uh, my aunt had actually run the Chicago Marathon a bunch of times, and she would always tell me about how much she had grown throughout her years of training and how much running had given her. So I figured setting a goal to complete a marathon was something that I could probably do. You know, it was a little ambitious, I think, at the time, but um, it really just gave me an excuse to work out, which is something that I had just, you know, I had needed personally. Um, And then kind of around that time, through mutual friends, I was connected with Stick's product manager at the time and learned about this idea of loss aversion. Uh, It was super intriguing to me that this there was this thought that people would actually they would work harder to avoid losing something that they already possessed rather than trying to gain something that they didn't yet have. Um, And so I set up a contract on stick and the contract was I was going to train for this marathon. And each time that I didn't do my run for the week. Uh, or for the day, I should say, I donated $5 to my girlfriend. So kind of a, you know, it was a, it was a little win-win situation because at the end of the day, the money kind of stayed in my realm. 
Um, so I wasn't taking advantage of kind of the harsher penalties that Stig has to offer. Um, but it really only took a few of those $5 charges to keep me on track. And I ended up running the marathon that fall. And a few months before the race, I joined up on the stick product team. Wow. Congratulations. Um, so what was your time for the marathon? Oh, it was embarrassingly slow. <laughs> I, I want to say it was like four hours and 20 minutes. Well, uh, for someone who's never done a marathon, I, um, I respect that. And anything, <laughs> just, just getting to the finish line is, is enough for me. Yeah, it was a lot tougher than I had anticipated. Um, like I said, my aunt had always been talking about how she had done like all these marathons. And, you know, you hear someone who is in her mid to late 50s with children and a full time job. And you're just like, you know, if she can do this, then me as someone who, you know, is in my early 20s and fairly athletic, uh, it should be a breeze. But you know, you really have to put in the time and uh, keep that persistent training to to really make it to the finish line. And Pablo, so how did you get involved with Stick? My story is um, is is more is different. I I didn't really initially create a commitment contract. Um, I wasn't really an app kind of, of guy. Uh, but for me, I mean, I got involved with Stick right out of college. I was looking for for a job or something related to my field of study which is economics and politics. But at the same time, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to leave academia because I, I, I thought of pursuing a path related to research. Uh, but uh, then I found Stick, um, which I, I thought was a great balance of just being a company that is still very close to academia as it was founded by Yale professors and an MBA student back in 2008. Honestly, for me, it was the idea of seeing the theoretical applications of concepts uh, the ones that, you know, you learn in class, uh, just being applied in the real world. Not only that, but, you know, um, seeing actual results, tangible results, and seeing be the behavioral economic theory at work behind the scenes, I thought was incredibly in interesting. And like Jerry, I mean, I, I've been here for, for two years, not three, but I initially started as an, as an intern um, in, in March 2018, just before my graduation. Uh, I... I like working with the team and I have been working here since. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I got involved with stick. That's so cool. So we've been saying the word stick several times and we've actually not really explained what stick is. So for all the people that's listening out there, Jerry, can you give me uh, in a few words, what is stick? Yeah, it's really tough to sum it up in a few words. I can certainly try. Uh, and I'm sure Pablo is going to jump in with, uh, corrections al along the way. But um, I would say that stick raises the price of failure. Um, and when I say that, I, I mean that like a lot of people have goals. Like we see a lot of people who want to lose weight or who want to quit smoking. Those are a few of our most popular goals. Um, and most people will, you know, if they have a goal like this, they'll start off by just giving it their best shot on their own. And, um, you know, if they miss a workout or if they end up smoking a cigarette, the failure is pretty low for them. So they might feel a little down. They might get some grief maybe from a relative, and then they're just going to try again tomorrow. Um, but what stick does is it takes that failure and it magnifies it, uh, through what we, uh, have as financial and social incentives. 
Um, so uh, not only like do your referees and supporters, and, and we can jump into more of the specifics of what that means, but not only do the people who follow your contract find out about your behavior, which kind of gives you this social incentive to not fail, but you're also potentially on the hook to lose money if you do fail. And not only lose money, but that money could end up funding an organization that you genuinely despise. So we have this feature called an anti-charity. It's one of our most popular features. And essentially what it is, is you bet against yourself. So if I, let's say I'm, I'm trying to run a marathon, if I just go back to my story, I could set up a contract that says, if I don't run this marathon or stick to my training plan, I'm going to lose $100 or $1,000 to an organization that is in direct opposition of what I believe in. And when you have that financial motivation to not only keep your money, but keep it out of the hands of people that you really despise, um, it just adds that added layer of incentive that can really yield results. Yeah, so I'm very, very well familiar with the anti-charity because um, let me share you my story with Stick since you guys shared me yours. So basically, I came across Stick after I had, so let me go from the beginning. I was trying to learn Swedish to surprise, I had a goal to surprise my girlfriend. Um, The year before um, uh, her birthday, I was like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be a cool idea on her birthday to to just learn Swedish and just talk to her in Swedish and just continue talking to her um, and just see the look on her face. And so I set my goal, uh, a goal for 12 months to do it. Nine months in, I was, you know, like you said, Jerry, with, with, um, with running, you wasn't as motivated. I was doing it here and there. Three months, with three months left, I realized, oh my gosh, the deadline is coming up. I actually need to do something about it. And so I came across stick and I came across this whole, um, the mentality behind it with uh, loss aversion and with anti-charities. And so I get, I set myself a contract that I will study Swedish 10 hours a week for, I think it was about 12, 13 weeks left. And for every week that I fail, I will pay $20 to an anti-charity. And my anti-charity of choice was, um, what was it? It was the European Union campaign for an independent Britain. So mm, basically, sure. I was, I was, I was funding uh, a, a charity, an anti-charity that was taking me away from my girlfriend. Uh, so ironically, <laughs> if I had failed, I was basically funding me my separation from my girlfriend. Um, in those thirteen weeks, I actually failed twice, so I lost forty dollars. Um, which is relatively a lot, but it worked. Um, I remember sharing a video to Pablo um, of me surprising my girlfriend on the day, and she was just, her face was just, uh, it was just, she was just so surprised. It was, uh, it was just hilarious to see. But yeah, the 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 mentality behind stick, it's so powerful, but it's such a simple concept. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. You know, what I would say about it is that I don't think it works for everyone. You know, for for some people, they can decide one day that, hey, I'm going to stop smoking and that can be enough for them. But for a lot of people, they really need that added layer of incentive 
they, they need they need to have more of a why, right? Like if someone who wants to stop smoking, their why might might be, I don't want to, you know, uh, die early, or I, I want to have better health. And that honestly might not be enough. They might need that added like $10 to a, a charity that or an organization that they really don't like to really get them over that line of, I'm not going to smoke that cigarette today. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, it's just super helpful for that extra, you know, that final kick. Now, if I may add something to, to that, uh, it's, it's precisely, it's precisely the, the psychology behind losing money. It's, it's kind of as if, as if you thought about it in, in having like a strict teacher. I don't know how, how other people operate, but in my particular case, the best, or, or let's say the classes that I used to uh, put the most effort for in college were the ones who had very strict professors. Uh, and for me, even if, if, if the cumulative GPA, let's say at the end of the day, doesn't matter which class you, you, um, you I don't know, put more effort on, it, you know, plus are weighted e equally. But for me, in that sense, like when I had a strict teacher, I would be dedicating so much more of my time, my dedication, uh, attention, everything to, to, to the class that asked for me the most. And in that sense, loss aversion or having money on the line is kind of raising this uh, idea that, that if you don't do what you, what you say you're going to do, there are going to be negative consequences. So it's kind of adding this like harshness on yourself, but not, I wouldn't call it harshness as much as, as, as kind of knowing yourself and knowing how you, how, uh, how you do, because everything's supposed to be completely subjective. People can add, Five dollars on the line or forty dollars on the line. It's very much a matter of, of knowing you and knowing how much to add. And Pablo, I remember you told me that some people put thousands of dollars on the line, but actually never paid any of that back because they were able to achieve their goals. That's that's exactly the idea. Our, our idea is not for for you to lose money. Our idea is is, is for you to put a, as much money as you think will be, let's say, the motivating force behind you. Um, and, and the idea is not to lose that money. Like you don't, even if you put $10,000 on the line, you won't lose a penny up front. Uh, you will only lose if you, or let's say you would only lose what you say you're gonna lose if you don't do what you say you're gonna do. So I hear the word loss aversion a lot, um, especially in the on stick. Jerry, can you give me a brief explanation of what loss aversion actually means? Uh, okay, so loss version, it's basically, so it's this idea that you are going to work harder to avoid losing something that you already have more than trying to gain something that you don't yet have. And so our idea, just to give you an example, I'm going to work harder to lose 10 pounds if I know that $1,000 is going to my brother, let's say, or, or you know, a relative, um, I'm going to work harder to make sure that doesn't happen than me actually gaining an additional $1,000 that I don't yet have. Um, so it's kind of this idea that like, you're going to, you know, you're going to do what you say you're going to do, uh, and be motivated more by losing something than by gaining something of equal value. Mm -hmm. it, so it's in summary, it's like it's better not to lose five than to find five dollars. Don't you think that's so strange of human nature to be thinking about the negative, to be focused on the negative rather than the positives? 
I think it has to do with some sense of, of ownership. And you see this a lot in, in the natural world with, with dogs or even with babies when you take a toy off them, from them, sorry. So in that sense, like the, the kid also wants, let's say the new, the new toy or, or you have two toys and they'll, they'll eventually end up crying if you take the toy away from them. So I, I'm, I, there's, there's something definitely there in the idea of losing something that you already have. There's some sense of ownership. There's some, some sense of, of, uh, of something that you already have. Taking that away from you is, it feels like, like something's being taken away from you as opposed to, hey, there's this new thing or there's this additional you know, funds or there's this reward that you could get if you, if you uh, do your goal. Yeah, and kind of how we see that playing out on stick is that a lot of people who end up finding success through loss aversion or, or using a lot of the different tools that we offer, um, we see that a lot of them have this have money on the line in association with their contract. It's optional. You know, you can create a contract on stick, and um, you you don't have to put any money on the line, but if you really are invested in seeing yourself succeed as you were with, you know, learning Swedish in uh, 12 weeks, um, you're, you know, you're going to put that money on the line. Um, and like I said before, it can really, that can be the game. Changer. I'd like to it can talk really about a results. specific case or like a specific success story that kind of outlines the the let's say the idea behind loss aversion and, and shows how loss aversion is, is such an effective tactic. Um, there is this Australian software designer, sorry, a software developer that turned food blogger. His name is his name is Aaron Day. Um, his initial goal on Stick was to see if he could make money online. So he challenged his friend to see if, if he could make a hundred dollars online. And in case they failed to do that, they would send instead of their own money. $100 to an organization that they didn't like. Um, as I said, he was a software developer, but he started his website, but wanted to basically test the waters to see if receiving income online was possible. Anyways, um, he was able to, to make $100 online, but that's not the idea. The idea is that he sent us his testimonial about 16, 16 months after he completed the goal. Um, and it's impressive to see what that, that goal ended up actually doing. It became a catalyst to quit his job and actually take an 180 degree turn. Um, it wasn't the $100 that, uh, that made it special. It was where things skyrocketed from there. So a year later, basically, after he completed this goal of making $100, the income that he got from his food blog was more than the income from his software developing job. And uh, so he ended up quitting to pursue his passion and make food blogging his full-time job. Now he has an entire website He's published books with his recipes. He has a podcast um, and his website has millions of visitors. He's garnered huge following online. He's been featured in Men's Health, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, blogs here and there. And uh, I mean, and I know that this, this might seem like, oh, what a success story and everything. But even beyond the number of visitors of, uh, for his website, which is uh, fatforweightloss.com.au, if anyone is interested to check it out, um, beyond all of this, he he told us he sent us an email saying that he appreciates more than anything the freedom that he has now 
Um, he can uh, he can basically work anywhere in the world uh, as long as it has a kitchen, a window, and a flat surface. So it's it's a truly remarkable story because you see the power of loss aversion. Because let's say the gains were a hundred dollars, right? And the equivalent gains or the equivalent losses, which were a hundred dollars to an organization that they hated, um, actually became the driving force that made him go and and uh, create this blog. And it's not just that, oh yeah, he made $100 and, and he achieved his goal. It was the threat of that that actually kickstarted him to initially um, see if this was even possible. Such a, a powerful story. It kind of reminds me of mine because similar to Aaron, I, out of gratitude uh, for Stick, I sent an email to you guys a few months after my um, commitment was completed. I just saying thank you, just because that changed my life it, it like you said it was a catalyst it made me realize it motivated me to learn and i completed it and when i did that it made me realize hold on if i learned this and and if i can motivate myself to do this what else can i put what else can i do when i apply my mind to it um so yeah it was a catalyst for me to just start learning and now it's created this whole new journey for me and look where i am now i'm on a podcast to stick talking to you guys um like a year or two after so that's great it's it's awesome it's awesome so i was on the website uh earlier and i saw the current stats were 46 million dollars on the line almost 500,000 commitments created um 1 million workouts completed and 36 million cigarettes not smoked that's amazing you've just changed so many people's lives are there any other peculiar commitments, any other peculiar goals that people have set that have um, caught your eyesight? What would you say, Jerry? What would you say are, are like uh, other goals that, that uh, you see? We see a lot of learning languages. Uh, we, see, we see a lot of uh, standardized tests, for example, people prepping for the, for the GREs or for SATs. Or, or, uh, it's mostly like uh, people that... Um, are looking, let's say, to, to enter a master's degree or, or, or uh, some sort of university program, or even learning languages. Some languages have some, some sort of like standardized testing um, eh, equivalent. Like in, 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 in France, for learning French, there's one thing called the DELF. You know, that's like a, a French exam. And then you see a lot of that. But also from all sorts of, of context, this is a... What, what I mean when, when I said I was amazed by, by, by seeing the theoretical applications of, of, of behavioral economic theory in action is because you see it in any sort of, of context. You see people that are going through addiction process, let's say addiction and rehabilitation processes. You see um, a lot of people that are trying to quit bad habits like smoking. Uh, or or engaging in, in in new ones, right? Or engaging, let's say, in different. It's not only let's say quitting smoking, but how they quit smoking. Uh, we see a lot of meditation lately, and um, and with 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 the pandemic and and all of this, we see a lot of at home goals too. Um, but I don't know, Jerry. What would you say are other? Uh, what what would you say are like other categories of goals? Yeah, definitely the bulk of what we see, and this is this holds true over the twelve years that Stick has been around. That it, it's mostly going to be related to health and wellness. That's kind of like, you know, when you when people think of what this can be applied, what like our tools can be applied towards, they naturally think of 
you know, their physical activity or their well-being. Um, but yeah, lately we've been seeing kind of this influx of mindfulness, you know, how it's kind of taken on this trend over the past couple of years. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, mindful eating, uh, meditation, um, a lot of like morning routine commitments, which I mean, still kind of ties back to this idea of well-being. Um, but we're definitely seeing a lot of like mindfulness centered commitments. Uh, we also see a lot of career development related goals. Um, so, you know, people who are maybe learning to switch or, you know, trying to switch careers and they, we see a lot of learn to code, uh, because that is an obvious, you know, path to a new career. Um, but a lot of people who are using the stick principles and trying to, you know, uh, change jobs or improve their social status. Um, and then, yeah, like, a, like Pablo said, we also see a lot of super personal and private goals, um, people who are fighting addiction. And, um, you know, it's, it's not always the obvious, like, stop doing drugs and stop drinking. Um, there are a lot of these, like, personal battles that people are really trying to fight. And they're finding that, you know, losing money or, or you know, using the incentive models that Stick has in place can really help curb these addictions. Um, so those are kind of a few high-level, um, more common goals that we're seeing now. Yeah, and, and recently too, uh, a lot of, of goals related to, to, to digital life, right? So, so stop looking at screen uh, at screens for you know. Uh, give yourself some time to 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 look at screens, and after that, stop because there's a lot of even if you're working here and then you're reading articles, it's still you're you're facing a screen for a long part of the day. So those those have been uh, increasing in time. I mean, since 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 Stick started because in 2008. Uh, I don't think the world was as mobile as it is today. So so that that has also increased uh, with respect to the initial years at stick, which is pretty interesting because you can see kind of trends go over time, uh, given, I mean, the amount of time that we've been in, in uh, out there, but you see trends over time in the way that people shape their goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the beauty of, the beauty of the platform is that it's truly goal agnostic. So although we are seeing like, trends in in certain categories anyone with a goal in mind or or even if you don't have a goal in mind um but you you know you're on you're on the platform and you see someone else committing to something that you think hey that that could really help me out um it can really be useful in any context and so uh we have this you know this option to create your own goal which i'm sure is what you use to learn swedish um but you can really, you know, it, it's a very flexible platform in that if you have a specific idea in mind, you can use the platform to achieve it. It was really up to me how I wanted to quantify uh, me learning Swedish. Uh, initially, I was thinking to myself, do I do one large sum payment at the end if I fail? Or do I want to do something weekly to hold me accountable to study a certain amount of um, a certain amount of hours for Swedish. In the end, I realized that holding myself accountable on a weekly basis made more sense than saying that I failed or not. 
Um, but I want to talk about the commitment contracts. That's how you start an actual goal. That's how you actually start your uh, your commitment to to whatever it is that you want to commit to. Can you explain to me how a commitment contract works and and how to access it and how to navigate around it? Sure. Um, it, well, so I think it's important to to kind of give the backstory of how they even came into into existence. So 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 you understand what the components of these commitment contracts are. I, I think we, 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 missed, we missed it at the beginning, but our founders, Dean and Ian Ayers, um, one of them is a behavioral economist uh, currently at North, Northwestern. Uh, and Ian Ayers is a professor of law. Um, but in 2002, they started, they, they said they challenged each other to lose weight. And in case they didn't lose it, they pledged, let's say, $1,000 per week uh, to send $1,000 per week to an organization that they disliked. And this was in 2002. And halfway through the process, they realized that results were not going well because even though it was a challenge among themselves, they were both slacking at the same time. So they were kind of renegotiating the deal every time, right? So it was kind of like a, they were uh, being accomplices to each other uh, in terms of, of slacking. Then instead, they set up a target weight and a specific date and, and made it fixed. Um, this uh, basically, they both agreed to 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 just not move it and actually set a, a set it in stone. Um, and then uh, they managed to stay on track and actually achieve their goals after making the the terms fixed and negotiable. But then it was until two thousand and eight that Jordan Goldberg, uh, who was an, an MBA student at the time at Yale met them and they both materialized commitment devices. So uh, the, these commitment devices uh, turned to be, or basically they came to the invention of what we call at stick the commitment contracts. Commitments because it entails the repeated dedication to a cause and contracts because it's a binding agreement between two parties. And these two parties are, are, are present you and future you. It's not that you agree with a friend of yours. It's I mean, you can have a friend of yours to verify the, uh, you know, the authenticity of this, but it's basically you, present you, the person who wants to, to who has a goal, signing a contract with yourself. So that's that's where commitment contracts come from. Um, now, I want to focus on 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 what uh, on the idea of commitment, on the idea of, of of basically the repeated dedication to a cause. And as as you said, uh, Joshua. You told yourself, you know what, it's going to be much more effective if I do this on a weekly basis. But it might not be the same one for, for it might not be the same, the same situation for, let's say, a goal that requires you to clean out your closet. Like you do, you clean out your closet, you do it, you sit down and you do it once. Like it's a, it's a one, one thing event. Uh, um, so in that sense, it's, it's very much a matter of, of knowing what the time, like of setting yourself a good time frame. And also knowing when, let's say, uh, when you're going to be checking in with yourself to make sure that you stay on track. That's that's the bulk or basically the, the idea um, on commitment contracts. And again, you're agreeing with yourself to commit to a cause. Uh, in case this is violated, then you can have the additional benefit of putting money on the line, of leveraging the psychology behind loss aversion. The idea that, you know, people prefer to avoid losing something than to acquiring the same amount that you're pledging what we talked about before yeah including the with the whole loss aversion and you talked about it with referrals and um, i 
I wanted to go all out. I told myself I'm going to lose, if I fail this, I'm going to lose money and I'm going to include a referral who was my best friend who I said, be ruthless. If I fail this, you fail me. And I had other friends as well joining me. So there was a whole social element as well that was pushing me to achieving that goal. Can we talk more about that social element? How often do you see people adding friends or families to their commitment contracts? Yeah, um, we see it a lot. So it really depends on the type of goal, you know, the type of goal that someone's creating. So if I'm creating a goal at work, let's say I'm at the WeWork with Pablo, and this is actually something we've done before, but we, we realized we were using a lot of plastic cups for our morning coffee and for water and whatever liquids we were taking in throughout the day, we were just wasting a ton of plastic. And so we, one day I just set a contract to only use one per day and I would wash it and reuse it. And since Pablo was right next to me all day, what better person to help verify that I'm staying on track. And so in, in a setting where I'm at work, I would definitely be utilizing my coworkers and um, it's, it's just, it makes natural sense that they would be the ones encouraging me and uh, verifying because, you know, my family members, they don't know what's going on at work. So how, how could they have any idea? Um, but now if I'm trying to exercise more or if I'm trying to learn a language, uh, then I'm obviously going to be bringing along family and friends who will be alongside me as I'm taking classes or as I'm going to the gym. And they can be the ones to either verify or overturn my reports. And so just to kind of dive into a referee's role in a contract, for every contract, a user has the option to invite someone along that will essentially verify their progress. So this person, the role is crucial. Because if you don't have a referee, it, the contract is on your honor, which means we're going to take your word for it. And while that can be effective for some, you know, if it means I'm not going to lose $100, I might just lie and say that I did learn, you know, take my Swedish classes for the week. Um, but when you have that referee there, there, there's no way out of doing what I said I was going to do. So they'll know, hey, you didn't go to the gym three times or four times this week like you said you were going to. You cannot lie. And if you try to lie, I'm going to overturn the report. And you need to either say, you need to either do what you said or you're going to lose that money. Um, and so, yeah, we do see a lot of family and friends who kind of engage in this playful competition with each other uh, to, to help each other along. Um, and so a lot of the times, a really funny situation that we see is two people who are shooting for the same thing. So um, let's say like a, a, a siblings are trying to lose 10 pounds. And so they'll actually invite each other to be referees for each other's commitments. And maybe the rest of the family is invited along as a supporter. And supporters, just to kind of touch on briefly, um, very similar to a referee although they actually have no say in the progress. So they're kind of just following along with um, how the commitment is going. Uh, they'll, be get, they'll, they'll get notified when reports are submitted and journal ent entries are uploaded, um, and they can kind of provide that social encouragement along the way. I found it very helpful having supporters as well. It was, um, 
again, just similar to the to the loss aversion for regarding money, it, it was another thing. Just the embarrassment of failing was another motivator for me to to carry on. Speaking of speaking of failure, I want to talk about some of the contracts that never made it, that never managed to reach their goals, and you know that will depending on how much money they put on the line, that may, that would mean they lost a partial amount or they lost all of it. Have were there many cases where a lot of people never reached their goal and lost huge sums of money? Yes, but you know what, Josh? I I think it's more than a matter of the amount of money. I think that the recipient of like the type of 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 recipient of stakes and stakes uh, just as a as a backstory or as a as a background, um, stakes are the 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 amount you put on the line. So, um. What matters most and what we see in our data is, is that actually the recipient of the money has some sort of, um, of saying, or I wouldn't say saying, uh, the recipient of money actually matters when it comes to the success rates of, of these commitments in the sense that it doesn't matter if it's 10 or $20. Um, the idea is that you would rather, like if you know that that money is going to a cause that you hate versus if you know that that money is going to a friend, we see higher success rates from people that decide to select an anti-charity as the recipient of stakes, regardless of the anti-charity. Um, then we see, let's say, when people select, you know, a friend to be the recipient of the money, which is also an option on stakes. Um, that said, we have seen we have seen people uh, lose lose um, heavy like large amounts of money, but they do they do like. They do know that that's that that's the amount that they pledged, and at the same time, uh, they could be taking it as a learning experience, right? So if they pledged, uh, they they to lose, you know, two hundred or three hundred dollars a week. That's what in you know they might have the purchasing power to to for them it might be pocket change or something like that. It's not not much about the amount at stake as it is if as it is about knowing yourself and how much you can spend. For example, for a new uh, we, we've seen the commitment of, let's say, um, an, uh, I wouldn't call an, an like an amateur artist, like uh, someone who's just starting to to record their albums or or songs and things like that, or produce their albums. Um, for them, they they also sent us a testimonial, but they they told us right now uh, a hundred a hundred dollars doesn't really mean that much because because you know you know they basically succeeded on their goal, but. They told us like back then when I initially had my commitment, a hundred dollars would be almost everything. So for me to to put that amount, even though right now in retrospect it's not necessarily that much, back then it meant a lot to me. So so it's it's very much about knowing yourself, knowing how much you can uh, spend, and also knowing about the quantity that or or basically the, putting the price, knowing your price on what is it that will a uh, um, motivate you in case you 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 don't stay on track. And if I could just jump in quickly, a really, um, at, at least this was my from my personal experience. I found that during my contracts, a really interesting twist on our incentives is when financial incentives are combined with this social accountability. And so you'll see this when people invite friends to receive their stakes on a contract um so for example when i was training for the marathon and i had lost i think it was like 
10 or $15 to my girlfriend, she would actually go out and in my face, spend that money on things that were, you know, not obviously not for me and, and kind of rub it in that like, Hey, this is, I'm buying this like with your wallet essentially. Um, and so that's just kind of a, an interesting twist on how those incentives can be uh, kind of merged together. Yeah, for me, when I had to put $20 on the line for every week, it, that was a lot for me. I guess it's still a lot for me now. I, I think that's just because I'm very frugal. But in for someone who just you can't part ways with money and it's just it's it's too stressful to to think that they're going to lose maybe let's say $5, maybe it's $500. What would you advise people uh, about the amount of money and the the how powerful it has an effect on you? Yeah, I think it really just comes down to the price of failure. Kind of as I said in the beginning, um, you know yourself better than anyone, and so obviously, as the way that the platform is set up you're the one who has to create this contract. So no one else is putting you up to this. You might get, you know, you might be getting some outside pressure, but at the end of the day, you're the one who's signing your name on this contract saying, I want to lose 10 pounds or I want to learn a language. Um, And so you know that the $5 that are on the line could mean absolutely nothing. And it could all be for show. Um, And if you end up losing that, you know, it could just be that, hey, that's $5 down the, down the drain, but I didn't have to get up early and go ride my bike today. Um, so you really have to, and, and I think this kind of goes back to the story that um, Pablo was telling you about how, how commitment contracts came to be. Um, there, when, when Dean was first kind of playing around with this idea of a contract or what they were calling like a pact back then, um, they had lost money that at the time like wasn't enough for them to change their ways. And so they really had to think hard about how much money it was going to take for them to take this pact of losing weight seriously. And I think at one point in um, in the story, Dean actually is paid out $15,000. Wow. Um, because the person who, you know, he was in the pact with wasn't uh, losing the weight. And so, uh, um, you know, as post-grad students that are probably living pretty frugally, that, that's a lot of money. Definitely. Um, and, and, you know, obviously if Dean were to not have accepted that money, it nullifies the contract and kind of makes the whole thing obsolete. So. Um, that was their price. And as Pablo said, it ended up working. They both lost the 30 pounds and eventually a, a, a online platform was created around this idea. I love it. It's the price. Uh, what do you consider to be the price of failure? That's uh, it's really, it's really powerful stuff. So for people who want to get involved with Stick, where do they go? Stick is available online and um on uh, native apps as well. So we have a website, stick.com. That's stick with two Ks, uh, .com. And we have apps in the iOS and Android store. Completely free to sign up, completely free to use all of the tools that we have available. 
Um, as we touched on before, the only cost that will ever come to a user is if they were to lose the money that they put on the line for their contract as a result of, of failing to meet their goal. So um, if you're going to stick to it and if you're really serious about changing in some aspect of your life, it's definitely worth a shot. Before we go, I just wanted to ask you guys, are you guys going to commit to anything this year? Have you got yourself involved with Stick Again, trying to learn something or achieve something? Definitely. I mean, on, on my end, uh, Angeria was actually my, my referee for this commitment. Um, so on my end, I, I was trying to, to cook more at home because uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to, to these things. I'm not a fan of, of, of cooking. I would always, the, like the farthest I would make or like the most complex thing I would make would be um, cereal or popcorn. Uh, so so <laughs> that's as far as my cooking skills uh, were. But, but I created actually a commitment contract to, to start bringing food to the office because I would, I would always get takeout or, or pickup or delivery or something like that. And even though, even though, I mean, I, I, I do enjoy it and I, I, I do enjoy eating food that I don't cook. It, it's just insane to, to always be eating out. And I mean, uh, right now with, with the whole uh, pandemic and, and uh, with the stay at home policies and everything, um, I kind of, I'm, I'm forced kind of now to, to, to do, to start cooking more at home. And I actually find it pretty enjoyable, but uh, yeah. Um, I did create a commitment to do exactly that, and and it worked. It worked. There are a couple of, of instances where I did not bring enough enough um, home home prep meals to the office, but but I as as again, I mean, I learned from my mistakes, and that money was went directly to to my employer. <laughs> I selected stick as a recipient of it. Oh wow! Brilliant. So. <laughs> <laughs> And I will say, as the referee, I did not cut Pablo on the slack. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but it works, though. You need to have a ruthless referee, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ruthless. How about yourself, Jerry? Uh, on my end, it has been a fluid year in terms of my goals. Uh, I had a kind of a lot planned around the New Year's resolution time, as I'm sure a lot of people do. Planning for a big 2020 and then coronavirus happens. So, you know, you got to roll the punches. But um, for the first part of the year, I so after the marathon, actually, a few years ago, I had kind of kept up with this idea of endurance sports. And this year, I was going to shoot for an Ironman at the end of the year. And um, four weeks into my training, so we're based in New York, uh, which is obviously the epicenter for coronavirus now. And uh, four weeks in, we, you know, the city started shutting down. And so uh, that really put a halt to my training. So um, that commitment is I'm still, you know, trying to train as best I can while staying safe, but it has now evolved to at-home workouts. Um, and more specifically, I'm trying to do 100 push-ups a day uh, for at least six days a week, trying to give myself a rest day in there. Well, for me, I told myself, um, actually, my girlfriend, well, my fiance now and I have agreed to try and learn Korean together. And um, I, I have, I've not taught, I've not told her about stick. She doesn't really know about the concept. And I don't think she's one to 
throw away money. So I'm going to try and persuade her to jump on stick and figure out something where we can maybe do a commitment, a contract together or use someone else as a referee. But um, I'm going to I'm going to put it out here now just so I'm held accountable and we'll see. (laughs) We'll see what will happen. That's awesome. What do you use to learn languages? Well, I learned when I'm learning uh, Swedish, I realized there's a really there's a really a method to learning a language. It's consistency, like you were saying, Jerry, with with running, just with everything. Consistency is really important. Um, but it's it's different techniques, like learning the thousand most common words, or um, using Anki for the flashcards, and and using that every day on a daily basis. Unfortunately, my back then my cousin was is sorry, my cousin is half Swedish, so I was able to converse with her as well. So I had a training partner. Um, a weekly training partner, I would read to, um, every day and I would um, just go through all of my notes every single day, two hours at a time. That was when I was doing a contract. So we're just going to be hopefully doing something very similar for Korean, but I don't know. We'll see. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. We look forward to seeing how things play out. Yeah, definitely. I'll let you guys know how it goes. But thank you guys so much for coming onto the podcast. I really uh, just enjoyed that conversation. It was so cool to know the the power of loss aversion and the social um, element to it as well so thank you guys for coming down yeah thank you so much for having us thanks for the invite josh thanks again for listening to the podcast don't forget if you want to find all the relevant links and show notes you can find them over at galleyway.blog forward slash podcast that's galleyway g-a-l-i-w-a-y dot blog forward slash podcast thanks again and i will see you on the next one